This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. As I've often said, to me, this is sort of like, for most people, brushing their teeth. What? What a way to start a radio show, huh? Good morning, everybody. This is Bob Salter. Welcome to our program here on The Fan. Those of you joining us on Radio.com, and it is very impressive that an increasing number of you are doing just that. Hopefully you've downloaded the Radio.com app. We have a very busy program today. We're with you between 6 and 7 on Sunday mornings. We've got Kevin Wall at the controls giving us technical guidance in an expertise fashion this Sunday morning, as he often does for us. Our topic is the work of the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. Now, we've talked about this organization and talked about the topic of pancreatic cancer on this program in the past couple of years. We've had some very lively discussions, and uh, today will be no exception because we start our discussion with a guest who's in studio, and we always love when that happens, especially when somebody shows up as early as this person did. That was the wonderful part about this. Kayla Zimmer is uh, in studio with us for our entire program. A couple of other guests are going to join us by phone over the course of uh, this hour. Kayla is affiliate chair of the New Jersey affiliate of the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. And part of the reason for our chat today is the fact that the month of November, one of its designations or observations is as Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month. And there's also an event taking place in uh, North Jersey next week that we'll be talking about in the course of our discussion over the course of this hour. First of all, it's nice to have you join us on our program. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. Thanks so much for having us. We are going to get into so many different areas in um, this discussion. You have been involved, though, in supporting uh, Pancreatic Cancer Action Network for a number of years, um, you're in the position as affiliate chair. Um, you really took that position earlier this year, as I understand. What has that been like? It's been amazing. So I've taken place in 12 Purple Stride events, which we'll talk about a little bit later on, since 2014, and I wanted to do more. And I was in school for a while, so when I graduated and I saw the affiliate chair position opened up, I said, I need to apply for this. And I did. And I took on the role in January and it's been incredible ever since. Okay. Now we were talking before we started 
um, our program today. And one of the things that I said to you is very often when I mention the topic, because I, one of my neighbors asked me, hey, what are you doing on, a, on your show tomorrow? Literally yesterday, as she often does. And I, I, I told her the topic, and I believe the words that came out of her mouth were, oh, that's a tough one. Yeah. Is that a typical reaction? Absolutely. For the people who know about pancreatic cancer or have been affected by it, that is the number one thing that they say, wow, mm. that's rough, or wow, that's a tough one. Because it is. It's the third leading cause of cancer-related deaths in the United States right now. Well, one of the things we were talking about before we started the program today is exactly how you frame the message of the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. Because, you know, people at times will have this tendency to focus on the, wow, that's really tough and they may ask, is there a cure? You know, that sort of thing. How do you go about raising awareness of the disease and also, I guess, getting the message out in the fashion that you want to? So it is really tough, and we want people to understand that so mm -hmm. that they can raise awareness, raise funds, donate. So oftentimes I tell my story about just how tough it was for me. You know, unfortunately, my mom was 43 when she was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Uh, she was healthy. There was no cancer in my family. And, you know, they saw a spot on her pancreas and they biopsied it. And on November 15, 2013, it came back. She had pancreatic cancer. And uh, 38 days later, on December 22, 2013, she passed away. So 38 days post-diagnosis, I no longer had a mother at 20 years old. And... Unfortunately, that's not uncommon. A lot of the people that I've spoken to that aren't, you know, candidates for the Whipple surgery only get three to six months to live. So when I'm raising awareness, I start off with my story because that shows people how deadly this cancer is. They're like, wow, 38 days. How did you have time to get your mom's affairs in order to say goodbye? I said I didn't. I was so processing the diagnosis when I lost my mother. So it's an extremely difficult disease to be, you know, 55,000 Americans will be diagnosed with pancreatic cancer this year. And, you know, roughly 44,000 of them will die. So you're looking at a massive number of people diagnosed that aren't going to survive this disease for even a year. So it's extremely difficult. It's so hard. And that's why we need, you know, people like you, Bob, allowing us to speak about this disease. And we need people wearing purple and educating others and donating to the cause. It, it's imperative. You know, people are dying every day and something needs to be done about it. What did you know about pancreatic cancer at the time that your mo mother was diagnosed? Nothing. I knew nothing about this disease. And like so many, I was like, I need to learn everything. You know, I need to help my mom. I didn't even know it was this deadly. I just thought, you know, you hear so much about breast cancer mm -hmm. and people surviving it, beating it. I said, great, like my mom is going to beat this. And then I went online to get resources for her. And I said, oh my goodness. At the time in 2013, the five-year survival rate was 6%. And I said, 
my jaw dropped just like it did mm-hmm. when I'm looking at you and you know, just a, a nice little sentiment every day um, for those 38 days. My best friend would text me, we are the 6%. Like my mom is going to be in that 6%. And so that's when I came across the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. They have this great um, resource that they offer, which is Patient Central. So you can go in there and speak to someone one-on-one and get a bunch of information. So at the time I had applied for a package completely free of charge for me and my mom, a caregiver and a patient, and they send you everything you can imagine in booklet form, um, pamphlets, flyers. They do a lot more other stuff, but for me, that's what happened in 2013. I, I knew nothing, Bob. It was it was ridiculous. And then when I did do a Google search, I was just mind blown mm. at the statistics. I didn't ask you this earlier um but I always think this is important to this discussions like this. Before this diagnosis, what were you, what was your mom like? I'm speechless because there are no words really to to describe her the way I would love to, but I would say selfless and carefree. She didn't care what anybody thought about her. She just did what made her happy and us happy and and she was just a very caring person. She wasn't sick at all before her diagnosis. There were some symptoms that, you know, maybe we could have caught on to like weight loss and, you know, back pain, but we just, as many people do, rid it off as something else, something minor. Um, So, you know, before her diagnosis, she was just, she was so fun. She was just so herself. Mm. And I mean, when she got the news, um, Obviously, it's it's devastating uh, news. Yeah. Um, how did you how did your family deal with this? So um, we have a few nurses in my family, and I guess when my mom got the diagnosis alone, she was at the hospital alone because we weren't expecting a cancer diagnosis. Well, that's true. Yeah. Um, so she was, you know, she was she had stayed overnight, so she was alone. So I guess when she got the diagnosis, they had explained to her just how deadly and serious mm-hmm. it was. So I knew nothing, but, uh, but she must have known. So she was um, distraught. I remember walking into her hospital room and she was just sobbing. I think she knew at that point, you know, she didn't let it on to me. I have a younger brother um, who was 13 at the time. She said, I'm going to beat this guy's like, I'm going to see you graduate and get married. But I think she knew because she was distraught. And so were my grandparents but we never really talked about, as a family, um, um, her passing away. That wasn't an option while she was fighting. She was deteriorating so quickly. Organs were failing one by one, and, and we never talked about it. Mm. We never talked about um, the possibility of her dying. And, you know, now knowing what I know now, I wish I knew then that it was as deadly as it is because, you know, things might have went differently. We might have had that talk. Was there ever a thought of why her why us absolutely so for a while after she passed away i said why my mother Mm -hmm. she was i know so many people say this but she really was the epitome of a selfless woman she would give her last five dollars in her wallet to the person in front of us at the grocery store who didn't have enough money to pay for their groceries even though she didn't have much to give, she always gave. So 
there was so much anger I held inside of myself after my mom passed away. Why her? Until I got more actively involved in this organization and I met the survivors, you know, that that now 9% that, that survive over five years. I know so many great survivors now. And now I'm just so happy. I don't have that why my mom anymore. I, I feel pride in the people that I do know that are surviving and beating this disease. Mm. And when you talk about pancreatic cancer and talk about the work of the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network, one of the things that I'm assuming you have to do as well, because we've touched upon this before, is even as basic as this may seem, a lot of people have no clue, no clue whatsoever what the pancreas is or where it is. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of responses I get is why are people being diagnosed so late? Why aren't they surviving? And it's because the pancreas is in the um, abdominal cavity and it's hidden mm -hmm. behind other organs. So it makes it extremely difficult to see. And right now the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network is funding research to help find an early detection tool so people can be, you know, sort of like a mammogram, sort of scanned prior, especially if there's um, risk factors in the person. So then that way, early detection can help save lives. If, if we get this disease before it's stage two, stage three, and definitely stage four, the survival rate would be almost tripled. But right now we have nothing, which makes it so extremely hard. Mm. Is it frustrating? Extremely frustrating because you see so many advancements in other cancers and this is the third leading cause of cancer-related deaths in America, and we still don't have an early detection tool. We still don't have enough federal funding. We still don't have enough people researching this disease, educating doctors on best practices. And that's why I'm so grateful for the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network because they're doing all that, but it's going to take more than one organization doing it or a few organizations. We need everybody to listen and to care and to donate and to raise awareness. Okay. Perfect time before we pause for um, Pete's update. How can people get involved? So they can go to pancan.org, P-A-N-C-A-N.org. And right on there, there's a get involved tab. And there's so many ways you can do that. You can wear purple this month. You can donate to the cause. You can come to our Purple Stride next Sunday, which we'll get into, I'm sure, after the break. So there's many, many ways, but the most basic is to wear purple. And when people ask, tell them it's for pancreatic cancer. Well, good morning, everybody. This is Bob Salter, and we are in a discussion about the work of the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network and talking about the topic of pancreatic cancer. Appropriately enough, the month of November, Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month, in studio with us is Kayla Zimmer, who is affiliate chair of the New Jersey Affiliate. Joining us by phone at uh, this point in our program is a gentleman who has spoken with us the um, past couple of years on uh, this program. He's the November Awareness Chair and Purple Light Chair for the New Jersey Affiliate. Todd Cohen is um, going to speak with us at uh, this point in our program. Todd, good morning. Welcome back to The Fan. 
Bob, it's an honor to be here. I, I want to thank you for having us on and thanking uh, WFAN for being a gold sponsor. And I think it's for the, the 10th year in a row. You guys have uh, really helped raise awareness and much-needed funding for this terrible disease. Thank you. Um, one of the thoughts I had heading into our discussion, and you can say hi to Kayla. Kayla, say hi to, to Todd. Hi, Todd. Hey, Kayla. How are you? Good. How are you? How's Good, she, thank you. How's she doing, by the way? She's amazing. She's amazing. And it's great to see young people step up to the plate and carry the torch and, and help raise awareness. That new energy is so important to, 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 to help us manage our goal to end this disease and, and uh, increase the survival rate. I talked with her a little bit about this earlier, but you know, introducing you, I mentioned November Awareness Chair. The significance of that acknowledgement of the month of November for this disease and raising awareness, what does that mean? Well, it's important to raise awareness throughout the year. Um, we have Purple Stride, I know, which we'll, we'll be talking about. It's one of 55 awareness events being held by the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network throughout the year. Um, Kayla had mentioned when her mother had pancreatic cancer, she didn't know much about the disease. My father was diagnosed in 2001, right after 9-11 happened. It was a, a terrible time for our family and, and the entire world. So the only thing I knew is Michael Landon had it, and I thought it was an easy disease to, to beat, but when I looked more into it, I saw the survival rate at that time was hovering around 5%. Now we're up to 9%. Um, you think about it, it's been 17, 18 years. Not much has changed about this disease. We need to have other people get the word out um, to local um, congressmen, um, to politicians, um, to help raise money for this disease. And, and I think, in turn, that will change the trajectory in the course of, of pancreatic cancer. You have been involved in volunteering with PanCan since 2007. Um, you know, we've talked before about um, your father's diagnosis. For those who had not heard us talk previously, what did you know about pancreatic cancer at the time of his diagnosis? Pretty much nothing. Pretty much nothing. And, and I have people, you know, back then, not many people were diagnosed as now. Um, it, you hate to say it, but this year you're looking at more than 56,000 Americans will be diagnosed with pancreatic cancer this year. I had my father for a year after diagnosis, and now I look back and I think of that as a blessing. You hear Kayla say her, her mother passed away 38 days after diagnosis. That's unacceptable. Uh, Gene Upshaw from the, from, the, from the Raiders, you think about uh, what he meant to the NFL. He was diagnosed three days before he died. So, you know, you hear people surviving five years, not many, um, but, you know, that's unacceptable to have no early detection method, no blood test, no scan. And what we're doing with our work with the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network is changing that and, and seeing better outcomes for our loved ones, friends, family, and others that are diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Purple Stride, as an event, how significant is this to the organization? I'll put this, put this out to both of you. I think it's extremely important. Um, it's something that our volunteers and people that, that we don't see very much throughout the year 
have a, have a chance to, to, to come and join. It's almost like a purple fraternity or sorority. Um, for us, it's the 10th year anniversary of Purple Stride New Jersey. We've seen this event grow from earning a couple thousand dollars to this year, we're going to hit half a million dollars. I, I know it. Wait a minute. Um, Hang on and, for a second. In 10 years' time, you're going to jump to half a million dollars? That's our goal is is in, is, is about four hundred forty thousand dollars, but I'm confident we'll hit half a million dollars. And and you think about since its inception in 2010, we've raised over three million dollars. So we've 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 got the ball rolling, and we need more people to help us um, with our goal. Yeah, definitely, Todd. I agree. And and a motto that uh, the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network has is Purple Stride isn't everything we do, but everything we do depends on it. And that couldn't be more true because we do have other awareness and fundraising events, but Purple Stride is our main event where we're raising massive amounts of money. And like Todd said, you know, we're shooting higher than our goal with with half of a million for this Purple Stride coming up next Sunday. So, Okay, let's talk a little bit about some of the details surrounding that. Um, first of all, where does it take place? What time uh, for people who are interested? How can they still get involved? Well, Purple Stride New Jersey will be held next Sunday, November 10th, at the Mac Cali Business Campus in Parsippany, New Jersey. Registration opens at 7.30 a.m. Opening ceremonies begin at 9 a.m., and then a 5K run and walk begins at 9.30 a.m. I heard the weather forecast. They said it's going to be 95 degrees and gorgeous. <laughs> so um, definitely come check us out. It's uh, purplestride.org slash nj or purplestride.org slash new jersey and then you could use the discount code of ps radio for 10 percent off your online registration very cool so that's next sunday the 10th and uh, purplestride.org slash new jersey the website when we're talking about what is involved in preparing for next Sunday. What's it like putting Purple Stride together? Kayla, do you want to speak to this? Yeah, definitely. So, uh, Bob, so as I was speaking with you earlier, I had mentioned that none of us get paid. We Mm -hmm. all do this as volunteers because we, we need to see change. And we've also all become a Purple family. Like Todd said, a sorority or fraternity, we're a family. And so it can be stressful at times. If you think about it, um, a group of volunteers are working almost more than we do for our careers, uh, putting this event on for nearly 3,000 participants. So it can be stressful. But, you know, speaking for myself, it's also an extremely healing process. You know, I'm, I get so into it and involved that I'm so super busy. I don't really think about the devastating effects of this disease for this period of time while I'm planning. I just think about putting on a great event for the 3,000 people who are going to be there, you know, to give them support and inspiration. So for me, it's it's extremely um, healing. Yeah, the same thing for me as well. Uh, to, to the outcome, the, the Sunday is just such an amazing scene when you see thousands of people. We're expecting to have about 3,000 people come to Parsippany wearing purple. Every year, it's just, it, it, it's such an amazing feeling. Uh, Petrina Germanti is the one who's in charge of it and puts forth such hard work, uh, but she's got such a great committee. 
we need people to, to, to help out. Um, if you do want to volunteer, you can go on the website. Uh, volunteers are free. Um, and if you pre-register by this week, uh, I believe it's $25. So, um, you know, people can, can come out. They can volunteer. They could be part of such an important event and such a moving um, event that I, I can't put it into words. When we look at the big picture, because that's the way some people will phrase the discussion, um, where are we heading, I guess, when we talk about pancreatic cancer? Well, obviously, um, one of the key outcomes uh, is seeing that the survival rate double. Mm -hmm. Um, Kayla had mentioned it's the third leading cause of cancer death in the United States. It's on track to be the second leading cause by 2020. So we're demanding urgent action to save lives. And one of the things that we're focused on is doubling the survival rate by 2020. So that's, you know, a couple months away. We won't find out those statistics for another couple years. But to see the survival rate go from 6%, which it was when this, this mission started by the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network, to 12% is progress. But it's still not acceptable when you look at the course that other cancers have taken, like breast cancer. Um, we want to see pancreatic cancer get into the 80s and 90% survival rates. We don't want to lose all these loved ones. We don't want to lose memories that, that, um, that these people have created for us. And, you know, that's why I'm doing my, the work that I'm doing. That's why Kayla's doing what she's doing. That's why we have such an amazing core group of volunteers that meet at the Morristown Library every third Wednesday, um, I'm sorry, the uh, Morris County Library, to, to, to come up with new ways to, to change the traje- trajectory of this disease. Yeah, Todd, I agree. And, you know, another thing on a bigger spectrum that um, the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network is doing is they launched the Know Your Tumor um, clinical trial platform online. So when you are diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, you can go on to their website and what they're going to do is they're going to match you with a specific course of action to help you based on the you know molecular profiling of your tumor specifically. So you're getting more precise medical treatment, which is phenomenal. It's an mm-hmm. amazing thing that this organization is doing. All right. I'll tell you what we're going to do here is um – this wasn't planned, but we have somebody who's going to join us by phone who's um, a listener of WFAN, and I believe he has um, a story that will tie into what we're talking about literally at this time. Let's go to Ken, who is joining us uh, by phone. Ken, good morning. Welcome to the fan. Thank you, Bob. Uh, thank you for having me on, and uh, hello to Keller and Todd. Hello. Hey, Ken. Um, I just wanted to say that, um, similar to you guys, two years ago, my dad was diagnosed with uh, pancreatic cancer, and at the time, we, me and my two brothers didn't know anything about it. Um, he lasted 63 days, and to this day, we still can't um, get our head around it, and we really need to bring more attention to this. And uh, I heard about something about next Sunday, and anything that I can do... To help out the cause, I greatly uh, will. Well, Ken, like we said, if you can go on to purplestride.org slash NJ, um, I'm, 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 I'm sorry to hear about the, your family member that was affected by this disease, but, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a growing problem. Um, 
you know, we're looking for all the people as possible that can come out next Sunday from all over the tri-state area. Yeah, Ken, for sure. And I'm really sorry to hear about that loss. You know, whether it's 60 days, 68 days, two years, it's still devastating. And, you know, we would love to have you, you know, in our in our corner, as I like to say. Absolutely. I will be there. It's, uh, I think we definitely need more awareness and uh, around this. And like, like I said, me and my brothers had no clue about it when we read about it. And when you think about only 5%. Uh, and it's more now because of the risk that we may get it as we get older. We definitely want more attention and around it. Yeah, absolutely. It, there is a genetic link. Um, they say about 10, 10 to 20% of people that have had someone in a family with pancreatic cancer have a higher incidence rate. So uh, Kayla, myself, we're all in the same boat. There's, there's a higher incident rate, and, you know, I, I don't want to see myself affected by pancreatic cancer, but I also don't want to see other loved ones, friends and family also affected by this disease. So we, we have to do something. We can't stand by and watch other people get diagnosed with this disease any longer. I agree. Thank you for everything you do, and, and God bless all of you. Thank, Thank you, you for Ken. your call there, Ken. Thank you. Uh, Todd, we're uh, going to um, say uh, goodbye to you in the course of our discussion because we have another guest who's going to join us. Kayla is going to stay with us. Certainly, thank you as always for wonderful discussion with us on our program, and let's hope for a very successful event next week. Thank you so much, Bob, and we appreciate everything you're doing to help raise awareness for this disease. Thank you. What we're going to do is take a pause in our discussion. We'll come back. Kayla will be joined by another guest here on the fan. It's Sunday morning on The Fan. Good morning, everybody. This is Bob Solter. We're in a discussion talking about the work of the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network and talking about the topic of pancreatic cancer on our program this morning. In studio with us, Kayla Zimmer, who is affiliate chair of the New Jersey Affiliate. Uh, Steve Merlin is joining us at this point in our program. Uh, Steve is outreach chair of the New Jersey Affiliate. Uh, he is a seven-year pancreatic cancer survivor. And um, Steve, first of all, welcome to our program. Good morning. Thank you, Bob. Thank you for having me on. And good morning to Kayla and Todd. Good morning, Steve. And uh, Todd is, uh, is not still with us at uh, this point in our discussion. Uh, but Steve, you know, I use the word survivor. Uh, in introducing you. Share your story with us. Well, in 2012, I began to have symptoms around the end of April, and they were very subtle at first. I um, noticed that my urine was starting to get darker. I was doing a lot of uh, manual labor landscaping on the weekends. I was doing 50-mile bike rides two to four mornings a week, and I always had a bad habit of not taking frequent water breaks. So I thought perhaps that I was getting dehydrated and I started to increase the intake of my water. And yet the urine still continued to get darker. And I was starting to feel just a little bit tired. 
Uh, a few weeks went on, and then it became Memorial Day weekend. I was at a party, and I was eating some food, and I started to feel bloated and getting gastritis in my stomach, and I would have to burp to get the air out and eat some more food, but my appetite was good, so I wasn't really having too many of the typical symptoms at this point. The uh, day after Memorial Day Monday, instead of going directly to work, I got out of the subway in New York and I went to see my primary care physician and I informed him that I wasn't feeling well. I never quite felt like this before. And he looked at me, took the vitals. He said everything was great, low heart rate from the bike riding. Everything was great as far as my vitals were concerned. Give it three more days. If I didn't feel better, come in on Friday. I went back on Friday and I told him I wasn't feeling any worse, but I wasn't feeling any better. And generally, uh, rule of thumb is, if things don't start improving after three days, there's something going on here. So he agreed to take some blood tests and would have the results over the weekend. By the time I got home that night on Friday, I looked in the mirror and my square of the eyes were already yellow. I looked at the uh, inner skin on my forearms. They had turned yellow and my fingernail beds. So jaundice had set in. So I had to uh, endure over the weekend. I was getting itchy from the bilirubin, which was building up in my bloodstream. And on Monday, I went right back to the doctor, showed him what was going on. He sent me in for a ultrasound, and that turned to be negative. I thought perhaps I was age 55 at the time. My father had uh, gallbladder surgery about the same age that perhaps I had gallstones. The ultrasound showed negative, so my physician called up his colleague at Wild Cornell Medical College. He had me walk directly over there, and the surgeon took one look at me and said, I need to do an endoscopic ultrasound on you first thing in the morning. Can you be back here early? And I said, absolutely. So he did an uh, ultrasound known as a EUS, and they discovered that there was a mass of cells blocking my bile duct. And he was trying to put a stent in, and it was not successful because of the blockage. So the chief of surgery did the procedure the next morning and informed me that there was some good news. And I thought, well, this is strange. I know that I have a mass of cells there, and most likely it's cancerous. What's the good news? And he said that uh, I was one of 15 to 20% eligible for Whipple surgery. Did I know about Whipple surgery? And I said, well, I remember hearing a little bit about it when I had trained as a medical technologist back in 1979-1980, but better refresh me. And he hands me a pamphlet that was 23 pages long, and I looked at it, <laughs> and I said, well, Dr. Shirke, I can read fast, but... Let's cut to the chase here. Am I essentially making a life or death decision? And he gave me a one-word answer, which was yes. And I said, where do I sign? And he said, page 23. Uh, my case is so serious that he wanted to operate the next day. And the next day was a Saturday morning. Uh, we did put it off until Monday so I can get all my affairs in order. I had a surgery, which lasted nine and a half hours at Wow Cornell. And I uh, had the Whipple surgery. And here I am today, seven years, four months, and 16 days later, and feeling great. Mm. At the time you were diagnosed, what did you know about pancreatic cancer? Well, having uh, 
trained as a med tech after I had gotten my degree in biology. I knew a little bit about it. I knew that the odds of surviving were not good. Back in 1979, it was only 2.7%. And when I was diagnosed, it was only 6%. So since that time, seven years ago, it's only increased a little over 3% now. Uh, most of the people that I was familiar with that had pancreatic cancer back then generally didn't last more than two months. Uh, there's a 50% mortality after six months, and then it becomes 10% a year after that. So I was looking at the possibility of survival of somewhere between 1% and 3% based on the stage that I was diagnosed, diagnosed at, which was stage 3. And eventually I went on to stage four when the first chemo drug that I was on did not work. Mm. And what has the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network meant to you as you've battled pancreatic cancer? Well, this has been a fantastic group uh, for support, for educational materials, getting together and meeting other patients, for hope and inspiration, uh, people that are caregivers, people like Kayla who really grabbed the reins when she took over as uh, the affiliate chair, meeting people like Todd, and we have many others that are there to help support. It's the tightest group of people that I've ever worked with. Um, and the networking that goes on, and you learn from other people, you learn about new techniques, what they've done to ameliorate the symptoms, um, so it's just a, a wealth of information going to that site. They have everything from A to Z for patients as well as healthcare professionals. An event like Purple Stride, how significant, so, how significant is that? It's very significant to me. It brings together so many people, and I see all the people that really care to help uh, advance the science and make for better outcomes for people with the money that's raised to go to research, particularly supporting young researchers who uh, may have just completed postdocs and don't quite yet qualify for some National Institutes of Health funding, the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network gives them seed money to launch their careers. And a lot of these people are making very important discoveries that's helping change the uh, outcome for pancreatic cancer. And I have a lot of these people to thank where I am today and being back to full health. Yeah, absolutely. And as I told you before, Bob, um, you know, people like Steve and, you know, unfortunately, we only have a few other survivors in our affiliate are what give me my inspiration now. As we talked about, you know, I, I can't change what happened to my mom I can only move forward, and when I feel like giving up sometimes, when I get so overwhelmed at the motion, you know, I look at Steve and our other survivors, and I and I think to myself, this is why I'm doing what I do every day. So, you know, Steve, if I haven't told you already, I want to thank you for being that inspiration to me to keep going sometimes when it gets too hard. Thank you, Kayleigh. You're definitely an inspiration to me as well as Todd and everybody else in our group. When we look at where things are going, where research is taking us, what do we see on the horizon? Well, a lot has happened, uh, particularly around 
2010 when there was an initiative of precision medicine and targeted therapy. And that's made a really big difference. Um, Pancreatic Cancer Action Network has a program where they can um, sequence the tumor, and that's offered for free. So one of the things that was done after the uh, my treatment was underway and they saw that the first drug didn't work, second drug I went on, I was having phenomenal results to it. And they had asked me again about my family history, which I had mentioned to them that all of the females had and died from breast cancer or had it currently. And they asked if I had ever been tested for any of the BRCA genes. And I said, no, but I know that my mother's first cousin was tested for it and her two daughters. And it turned out that they had a defect in the BRCA2 gene. So that triggered the alarm bells and I was sent for genetic testing. And it came back that I was, I had a defect in the BRCA2 gene. So I got my brother to go get tested. He also has the defect in the BRCA2. And that actually turned out to be a blessing in disguise. It, we knew that the drug that I was put on, uh, it's a combination of four drugs called Flofurinox, and the potent drug in there is oxaloplatin. And it's known that uh, people who are having the uh, defect in the BRCA gene, um, they respond extremely well to oxaloplatin. So they knew that now I was being treated with the correct drug. And amazing things started to happen. My tumors were shrinking dramatically. Because the oxaloplatin is so toxic, you're on that for about three months. They take that and one other drug away to give your body a rest. The goal is to try to keep your tumors stable or that they grow very slowly until your body has enough recovery time to put you back on those other two drugs. In my case, my tumors kept shrinking, which is very unusual. So I went through the Flofurinox treatment for 18 months, and because I was missing that gene, the geneticist said that I would be a perfect candidate for a clinical trial. I located one at the University of Pennsylvania. It was a drug called a PARP1 inhibitor, which is used, it's targeted against the BRCA gene, and that seemed to be very successful. So at this point, I've been cancer-free. There's no evidence of any more pancreatic cancer in my body. It's been that way for over three years, or five years now. Thank you. And uh, I feel great. All right. Before we wrap up in our discussion, let's just go through the particulars of exactly what takes place next Sunday. Sure. So next Sunday is our 10th anniversary of Purple Stride, New Jersey. It will begin at 7.30 a.m. with registration, opening ceremonies at 9 a.m., and the 5K run and walk begins at 9.30 a.m. That will be at the Mac Cali Business Campus in Parsippany, New Jersey. If you want to register or donate, visit purplestride.org slash New Jersey. Our thanks to Kayla Zimmer, who is affiliate chair of the New Jersey Affiliates of Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. You've been with us in studio. Thank you very much. Certainly, let's hope for a very successful event next Sunday. Steve Merlin, who is outreach chair of the New Jersey Affiliate. Thank you. Todd Cohen, chair for uh, Purple Light Chair and um, November Awareness Chair of the New Jersey Affiliate. 
Thank you all for joining us on our program. We hope for a very successful event next Sunday. Thank you, Bob. That does it for our program. Hey, hopefully you put those clocks back an hour. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.